Welcome everyone to the season finale of Buffalo Baby uh, Buffalo Babies. <laughs> Buffalo Bills maybe next year. Um I guess we should just talk about Buffalo Babies. I was going to do an end game yeah. joke about 22 movies worth of stuff going into this episode, but uh <laughs> Buffalo Babies next year. Um Nope. I don't know. I got nothing. Uh no, it's Buffalo Bills should start the show over, but why bother? Yeah, I mean we right. haven't right it's not like we're doing any more of these this season. So let's right. just let's I mean, get out of here. Se- seven seasons in the books. Why start being professional now? Yeah, right. Uh, my name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. And welcome to our show. Um, the Not the eve of the draft. Actually, when you listen to this, it'll be, it, it, it'll be either Tuesday night tonight, if I post it this quickly, or Wednesday uh, during the day. Um, but we are, we are in the eve-ish of the NFL draft. Um, where the Buffalo Bills will select players to join their team. Uh, and we're going to talk about that. Um, part of our deal is we're going to talk about who the Bills might draft, what their draft strategy might be, um, what positions they have left to address. We have a little bit of the schedule we're going to talk about. We'll get to your questions and comments. Uh, and I also, uh, at Paul's behest, because Paul is the one who usually goes back and looks at these things, um, compares us to where we were three years ago, what we were talking about three years ago at draft time, how that all panned out. Um, and I went back and did the, um, it can only be described as a complete joy, uh, obviously, <laughs> to go back and listen to uh, a handful of episodes at draft time last year. Um, and let me tell you, stingy listener who can't wait to laugh at how wrong we are. You were all, were very wrong too. So <laughs> don't worry about it. Everyone was a fool. Um, but I actually might defend our comments there. Uh, but to start with the draft, uh, as I said, three years ago, Scott is the one most likely to have any, you know, concrete college based thoughts on the draft, which means I'm going to start with Paul, um, of course. to, to uh, you know, just get that out of the way, and then we'll we'll go there. Um, we're here. Uh, it's it's time. You know, typically we we talk about who the Bills will draft early um, and in the first round, and then and then and then go from there. Uh, feel free to approach that in any way you want. You can talk about position groups. You can talk about specific players. Um, however, you want to look at it. All right. Excellent. I am, as Frank noted, Scott is the expert, so I'm going to leave names out of this because I feel Scott knows the names better than I do. We see certain wide receivers name all the time, a certain tight ends name all the time, certain uh, tackles name all the time. So we'll let Scott dive into what he thinks of some of these players and what his thoughts are. I look at it more positionally, and we talked about how well how the mission accomplished of free agency and that Brandon Bean has enough depth at each position that if he doesn't draft the exact position we want, we're not going to be going, oh, you know, how can you, you know, disregard that when you have X player there? Sure, they're a little thin at guard. Uh, They're thin in some other areas that they want to address. But, you know, how I look at what I, I do want to see Brandon Bean stick to his strategy and draft the best player available, which really goes to then what who I hope would be the best player available or what position. And in really researching this, the one position, and Scott can tell us if, if there's anyone worthwhile here who's available, who might be available at number nine or worth trading up for or who you could trade back for, it'd be great value, is that three technique defensive tackle. Remember, we 
have not talked as much as we should about the actual impact of Kyle Williams retiring from a non-emotional perspective. We've talked about, oh, he's, you know, the bridge to the past. He was a leader during dark days, et cetera. He was also still a pretty damn good three technique defensive tackle at the end, even if he was, you know, past his prime a bit at that point, he was still productive. So now they just have Jordan Phillips in that rotation. So you have Star Lodalele who came in and, and did a good job of at least keeping the run defense solid. I worry they can go back to picking on the Bills defense the same way they did in 2017 if they don't keep that interior line fresh. So that's kind of my hope. And then if that doesn't pan out, the next thing I would want to see, and this will be the last analysis I make before we go to Scott for his more in-depth player analysis, is obviously somewhere on the offensive side of the ball. And I would really like to see it be somewhere on the offensive line. And except for center, I don't care where. You Even if... Deion Dawkins has a rebound year and Ty and Seki proves to be a capable starting right tackle. Those are probably not long-term solutions. And everyone on the interior line, a guard, the Bills have signed uh, a Tennessee Titans starting guard of four seasons, which we'll talk about later. There's still no stars in that guard, you know, at the guard position. Ike Bodger is a question mark. Wyatt Teller, who's a nominal star, is a question mark. You've got Ducasse, Bodine, and all the guys they signed, Feliciano, Waddle, et cetera, long. So they have a bunch of, you know, them guys, if you will, in there. And what they really could use is a grinder. And when you read most draft analyses, you can get a good guy in the draft and just, you know, train him. Center tackle, a little bit tougher to get a guy who's league ready. But guards, you generally need grinders or guys who can move their feet or whatever you're looking for. So initially, I'm hoping the best player available is a defensive tackle, three technique. If not, I hope the best player available is on the offensive line. Third, if not, I hope he's somewhere on the offense. And then fourth, most importantly, just draft the best player you can. So maybe Scott can tell us who some of those best players might be. Yeah, so um, the the good news is, is that the Bills are in a decent position at nine for quality talent that should be able to come in and play right away. So I think... If you wanted to go like to me, like best player available is kind of like some, I don't want to say a meaningless term. I think it's more of a like, is there going to be a rapidly like if you really, it's kind of one of these things where you can say like, oh, well, this is our, this was the 10th best guy we had on the board. We picked a 10. He was there. So we took him <clears throat> and that's it. And that's, that's fine on all wet and good. If that guy doesn't see the field for a year or two, and if you were picking at 15, you would have taken somebody else and that guy would have seen the field sooner. And that guy was the best player available. Then to me, it's kind of like, well, I understand that there's a, a bit of, uh, you know, value here, but at the same time, like you only have these guys locked up for so long. So they kind of need to be able to have a role on the team sooner rather than later, which if you're in a rotation or you're in behind a guy who's starting, that's that's locked into a big contract you're not going to get that kind of value out of the draft picks which is frankly a, a critical part of the thing so getting beyond the best player available you know you know need base pick whatever you want to call it um there's definitely plenty of defensive tackles that are good in this year's draft so there's usually you know depending on how you want to call it five or six that are probably like first round defensive tackles guys who can probably come in and be starters right off the bat um i think uh, we're probably going to miss out on Quinn and Williams, who is mm -hmm. generally considered the best player in the draft. He is playing defensive tackle is kind of an interesting position where there's, it's been in 
of decreased importance, perhaps a little bit the last couple of years. Obviously, people talk about Joey Boat or not Nick Bosa, Nick Bosa, his, his brother. Um, we'll get to Joey Bosa later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Josh Allen, who is an edge rusher for Kentucky, who, as I was talking with one of the Jets fans in the office, we were talking about how the Jets are going to draft Josh Allen, and then Josh Allen's going to sack Josh Allen at some point in the season, and the announcers are going to love that. They are already planning. I can imagine Ian Eagle right now thinking of how he's going to explain Josh Allen sacking Josh Allen. Um, but moving on, if we if we want to focus, so Quinnen Williams probably is going to be gone, but then pretty much after that, there's a lot of guys who are in play. Um, it depends... I think you take Jeffrey Simmons, who was who played an excellent defensive tackle role for Mississippi State, but he was injured in draft prep, so he's probably off the field for this entire season, unless maybe you can activate him kind of that last month of the season in the playoffs. But honestly, you're probably not going to want to keep a roster spot for him. You're probably going to want to put him on IR. So there's a lot of people who are going to pass on him. That's why everyone says he's going to go to the Pats because the Pats don't care, and they could probably win the Super Bowl without a first-round draft pick this year, so they'll just bring him in next year, and he'll kill people. Um if you want a defensive tackle, I think Ed Oliver is a really good choice. I think he's a guy who's built for a 4-3 scheme, perfect kind of three technique, can disrupt, can do okay, can do perfectly fine against the run, super fast, lightning quick kind of reflexes, really good hands, really good feet, um, great pass rusher. Two years ago at Houston, he was he was, he was was unbeatable. They were talking about him being a top 10 pick uh, as a junior. Now he's stayed another year. He had a bit of a setback this year, but I still think he's a great player so if if we came out of the draft with ed oliver i wouldn't be disappointed with that i'd be more disappointed that we didn't take an offensive lineman because me personally i think the biggest need is on offensive line i think there's quality on the offensive line side of the house so for me it's kind of a question of exactly what kind of tackle you want if you're because to me again you take somebody who's played tackle and then if it doesn't work out maybe they can play guard it all worked. It worked out well with Mike Williams. So what could go wrong there? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But basically, if you want to go offensive tackle, there's a couple different kind of prototypes. So you, you could try the Jason Peters way of draft a tight end and make and him your first left tackle. tackle. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, there's plenty of guys like that. I think probably out there too. Um, anyway, if you want to take guys who have played tackle, you would go with Jonah Williams. So Jonah Williams is kind of the. I don't want to say he's not athletic. He is athletic. And these are all kind of shades of great because these are all guys who had first round grades on them in one way, shape or form. So it's really what kind of system we want to run them in. So Jonah Williams is kind of a technician. He's, he's pretty good at everything. Good run blocker, good pass blocker. He's definitely, he's got the shorter arms. Um, so he's not quite the, the prototype in terms of being the perfect kind of athlete for the position, but he's probably good enough to be a good tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a lot of talk about moving him to guard. So I'd be a little concerned about that, but if we, if we ended up with him, I wouldn't be terribly concerned. Cause again, these are the, these are supposedly the professionals making these picks. And then the other two that I would think about. So one is Andre Dillard, who I like from Washington state. They say that he's the best pass blocker in the draft, that he's a prototype left tackle. He's got the, you know, PFF has him number two overall and the highest pass protection grade for uh, for tackles last year. So he's he's somebody to me who I want at left tackle watching Josh Allen's rear for the next five years. I think that's that's probably where I would go. Some people have him go mooring in the mid rounds, so I or not in the mid rounds, but in the mid middle of the first. So I'd be fine taking him uh, at nine. Maybe you could see if you could trade back a little to try and still have a shot at him. And then the other one that you want to talk about is to me is Jawan Taylor from Florida. I personally am probably a little biased. I don't know why against Florida offensive linemen. I just feel like I've not heard. I, I feel like I'm not a pouncy guy, huh? Yeah. I mean, he played there, I guess. 
yeah, he's been a good center, I guess. But I feel like I, I can't think of another one. Or, and I'm sure there are. I'm sure all of our Florida fans who are <laughs> there are legion on this podcast mm-hmm. listening, big Florida Gators fans, will come in and, and and remind me of all the great players they have in the league. But Jawan Taylor is kind of people pick him a little higher in some of these mock drafts because he is the prototype frame. Like he is the guy with the long arms. He is the guy who, if you taught him better technique, he would be kind of your, your prototypical right tackle. They're not quite sure that he's got the quickness to play left, but he probably could in a pinch. Um, I am a little less high on him. So I'd be more of a fan of taking one of the first two guys um, for that reason. So that is, that is enough for me. I think if you're looking at the draft and we'll get into the guys later, but to me, there is more depth on the defensive tackle side. So I'd be a little more pleased with letting that need wait a little bit to the beginning of the second round. And there's still going to be some value there as we can get to later, rather than trying to find an offensive tackle who might be a project um, who we might have to wait a little time to get him on board. Because as while we've made some improvements on the, the line, as Paul saying, we have a lot of guys who are just guys. So that's guys it. who are guys. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's sort of the, the song and dance of the last X years guys who are guys. Um, sorry. It's funny. Cause we're, it, it, it's a, it's a sad amount of, of, of uh, overlap with the 2016 draft. <laughs> um, to be honest. Um, okay. This is all very, very good information. Um, and what I'd like to do now, um, because Scott brought it up a little, uh, the remaining questions in the draft preview that, Paul listed. I'll read them all at once. Trade up or down or stay put. Positions to address in later rounds and how to leverage seven picks after round two. I think that those questions all kind of go together because it depends on how you're viewing the first what happens in the first round. So if you're taking um, you know, and you're let's let's just say you're not that impressed with taking, you know, uh, the one year deal that Quentin Spain has uh, that you still feel like the net that the, the bills ought to be drafting a um, a tackle. Well, how do you how do you you know, Scott sort of says, I want to go offensive tackle in the first round because there's defensive tackles available in round two. And then we could fill out the rest of the rest of the rest of the um the rest of the draft paul does that how does that sound to you do you have have you given any thought to how you would trade up or down i know buffalo rumblings did an article on trade value yeah Um, and it's really it's fascinating and i this is probably what i was doing the most just looking around at in recent years because i i do in recent years in recent weeks excuse me one thing that um Really, I was ready to kind of stand on the hill for is like you never get anyone of value in the later rounds. But as I went through it and I saw the Stevie Johnsons and the Kyle Williamses, who was a fifth rounder, and even some of the contributing players that they've gotten in later rounds. Remember, Demetrius Bell was competent for uh, a few seasons with the Bills, and he was a seventh round pick as well. So they have you can get good value players in there. What has concerned me about though is, and I, as Frank mentioned, these questions are all tied in. You have seven picks after round two, you have 10 picks total. And really, if you want to look at that roster right now, I don't believe there are 10 spots available. I think last year, the only draft pick they cut was Austin Prohl, but Ray Ray McLeod was, you know, really not part of the team at all. Like Bodger didn't really suit up much. And they, mind you, last year was a year where they needed bodies. I think you're going to want to reduce the number of picks. And one approach that doesn't get a lot of attention is we all think, how much can you trade up this year? And I would like to see them trade up if, say, if they get an offensive hmm 
uh, someone wants to jump in, go right ahead, by the way. But um, no, good. I just was surprised by your answer. Continue. Yeah. If someone you know, wants, if you get a good offensive line in the first round and then you have a chance to get the tight end you want or the defensive tackle you want or whatever in the second round, use it, you know, you can use a, you know, two to three later round picks and I'm fine with that. Or even mid round picks, a fourth, a fifth and a sixth or give your second a sixth and a seventh uh, for an extra second round pick, whatever it takes. But one strategy I wanted to point out, which I can't, I'm sure the Bills have done it, but which is a hallmark of the Patriots is in the later rounds, seeing if there's interest in someone moving up in the fourth or fifth round and doing what they called, uh, I think the term might be upseating. So essentially you say, sure, you can take our fourth round pick this year if you give us your third round pick next year, or if you mm-hmm. give you your our fifth round pick this year for your fourth round next year. And that way you're adding value to the to future drafts, if you're looking at your board of 115 or whatever Brandon Bean said their board is going to end up being, I think it was about 115 based on the article in the Athletic. You know, if you're if you're looking at that board and thinking, eh, we're running pretty low, so let's get as many leverage picks as we can for next season. So, all of that's pretty much a way of saying if you have the players available, I have no problem trading up to two mid to late round picks and, uh, you know, and you know, the corresponding pick of that round so a second for a second a third for a third to move up to get the player you want if that player's not there i think you start to look for trades whereby you can get better future picks because i don't think you're gonna have 10 players from this draft end up on the bills roster i think that's a really i think it's a really sharp astute point i i hadn't mm. thought through that and i think that's really i think it's 100 percent like we've signed a bunch of essentially depth guys and we're going to have them all kind of battle it out, you know, Joker's competition from the Dark Knight style. And mm-hmm. and one of them gets to stay on the team. And that doesn't leave a lot of room for draft picks because, frankly, the draft picks are, <laughs> in many cases, going to be, especially if you're talking guys through the fourth or seventh rounds, they're going to be projects. They're going to be guys who aren't going to be ready for the team right mm-hmm. away. And, yeah, sure, maybe one or two of them you can hold on to. But a lot of those guys, if you're bringing them in for depth, the depth is already there, and they're going to be pr- – going against established starting pros who we not maybe not starting in some cases but <clears throat> guys who have experience in the league and what's expected out of them it's ask it's it's a tough mission for these guys to come in so i think i've always thought that there's an interesting theory about whether you should just take every pick from fourth through seventh rounds and then just bundle them together and say we want to you know give us you know Cincinnati or whoever, just give us a second round pick in exchange. Right. And it's, it's one good chance at getting a good starter versus, you know, a one, you know, five, you know, 1% chances that you'll get a good starter at it. And, and there's certainly value in getting guys who are depth and special teams guys, which is again, something that you're looking for in those later rounds um, at value in terms of your ability to, to pay them um, or the, the, the pay that they're going to be slotted in for. But at the same time, I wouldn't overstate the the value of of those kind of guys, and that there aren't a variety of guys who played in the league, as we've learned this off season, who were available for the right price, which is very rarely more than the veteran minimum in many mm-hmm. cases. So, I would say that I would say in terms of how I see briefly how the rest of the draft goes, as I mentioned, I would go offensive lineman first, ideally tackle first, to make sure that we get that get Josh Allen upright, and then we have a, at least you know two and a half pretty decent players on the offensive line, um, ideally who can start. And then we can kind of hopefully fill in the gaps with the rest. Um, then we move to the second round. We go, I think defensive tackle there. I don't know if you're going to get kind of one of the top six guys there. 
um, because that again it kind of runs out. There's a bit of a cl- I don't want to say a cliff, but there's a bit of a a bit of a a, a level there where you're going to lose some 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 talent. But I think that's okay. I, I think there's I think this again this is a pretty deep defensive tackle draft. Um, a guy that I've seen available in a lot of of mock drafts in that kind of beginning of the second round is Draymond Jones from Ohio state, who was a really good player for them. He played a lot of snaps for them. Um, you know, a professional, I don't want to say a professional guy, obviously he was an amateur, but he's, you know, uh, you know, well-balanced, good against the run, good against the pass, had some good moves, you know, willing to kind of stay in there and still provide some good pass rush pressure. Um, so I think that's good, but there's other guys, um, Kiki from, from Texas A&M Kingsley Kiki, um, Gerald Willis, the third, a guy who's a little bit older, but still has some, um, he's 23. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, a, a, a guy who can brush the passer when needed. Um, so I think there's some, still some value there in the second round you can work with. If you don't get Dexter, you know, one of the guys from Clemson or Alabama who are like three out of the top four guys. Also Jerry Tillery from Notre Dame. Um, he's a guy who's when he's played really hard has been unblockable at times. Um, but he, uh, you know, he hasn't always played hard. And the question is maybe you, if you can motivate him with a paycheck, maybe that'll help. But obviously that's kind of one of those old, some defensive tackles just like to get paychecks and and walk away. Um, and then the other thing I would say is then you go third round. I think that's when you start looking for me, it's that wide receiver. Um, you could certainly make a taste for tight end. I think at that point, your tight end value is probably not as good. I looked at the, uh, NFL the NFL scouts that they have working for like NFL.com, they do their grading. And so there's like, you know, if you've got a grade between like, I think it's like five and six, then you've got a chance at becoming a quality starter. And there's basically like, I think they said it as like 12 guys who were defensive tackles who were rated higher than like five and a half. Um, There were at least like 25 wide receivers who were better than five and a half. So I think you're much more likely to have a quality wide receiver that you can get in the third round who can come in and give you something um, that's going to add something to the team rather than a tight end who's going to probably be battling with Croft for time on the field. Um, I think, you know, we've certainly added people at wide receiver with Beasley and and Josh Brown. Um, Zay Jones is obviously still coming back, but I don't think that either one of those, um, you know, Zay Jones, I don't know, he's got two years left on his deal. Two probably. years left on his deal, yep. Um, so, and obviously he's gotten better last season. I think that's clear, but I also don't think that he's a, a game breaking type, same with Brown or Beasley. So I think there's, I think there's room to get one more there, but if you wanted to go tight end, there's guys, uh, I saw, I was looking at a draft mock draft today that said Irv Smith from Alabama. Um, again, a bit of a project, a guy who's going to need some time, hasn't been playing a position for that long, I think, but, um, you know, there's going to be, you could go there, you could go corner there. If you want somebody who you want to complete with. Um, you know, Levi Wallace, but they're you third round off easy. You're not going to get as much talent frequently, but I, I go wide receiver there. Awesome. Um, and I, I did try and interject a cough, cough, Marcel Dyers when you're talking about lazy defensive tackles, but I was on mute. So I'm getting Albert, that interjection in now. Albert Hainsworth came to my mind that once uh, he yes. got made, it got, he also got switched out of the position he was told he was going to play, but he did. He got Shanahan, though he, then got, he, he still lazied himself, but yeah, he did. Um, right. Just try you jerk. Yeah. Big <laughs> jerk. Um, the, uh, this sort of, I'm going to read the Facebook comment now because we only have the one and it jibes with a lot of what Scott said. It's from Steven who may feature later in the 2016 recap. It'll um, also feature in the Twitter comments. Cause he was our only Twitter comment. Ah, well, there you go. Steven's excited for, we have one listener and 
and we got a like from Sean and one other person who I am too lazy to click to see who it was. Um, but Steven says most of the Bills free agent activity seemed to be on the offense, making me think they may be targeting their defense on Thursday. And I, I agree with that was actually something I was going to say in a second. So I'm happy to have Steven say it for me. Um, I'm fine with that. There's a lot of defensive talent at the top this year. My only concern is if there is a run on the defensive players before it gets to nine, he wants them to go to O-line. As Scott points out, uh, most reports have said receivers are deep. So later rounds, as Scott just said, and tight ends generally don't merit a pick that high. I'm not opposed to trading down either, which brings me back to Paul, who said, you know, trade up to get your guy if you, if you want him. Um, it's funny because with the depth of this class, I was sort of in the position like, well, if you figure if you figure Kyler Murray's going first, then you only have to, you know, there's only eight position players you have to think about. And so for me, this is a good opportunity to trade down or stay put. Um, you know, I don't think we need to be moving up in necessarily the first round, but your your secondary idea of moving up, like the idea of the uh you know, future seeding draft picks that had great appeal to me because I, I fully agree with you that if you're, um, you know, sort of have a lot of players already and you don't need these guys who are going to be, you know, workout warrior camp, uh, camp guys in the, in the sixth and seventh round and somebody wants them and you can get fourth or fifth rounders out of it. That sounds like a good, that sounds like a good value to me. Um, I don't know. Like I, I know that t tight ends not supposed to be drafted that high. I've been very intrigued by TJ Hawkinson. Um, I I know the. I remember many years ago I wanted Brandon Pettigrew, and and it's I don't know. Was he a good pick? No. Was he a better tight end than the, the Bills had? Probably for a while. Yeah. So, so I, I read today the Bills have not had a tight end finish in the top ten in receptions in eighteen years. Right. I didn't look up who, but I assume it would be Reamer's mob back yeah. in 01. I'm looking at this NFL draft. The other thing with the trading up and down, I'm looking at the NFL mock draft, which has Denver taking a quarterback and uh, the Bengals taking a quarterback uh, right after the Bills, which is even more reason to trade down because one of those guys might want to move up and yeah. get it. And if you, those, you know, if quarterbacks are going off the board, that's really not affecting you um in for for once uh with the bills um yeah i i i am um, they did all the spending they did were things they needed to do in free agency and 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 they've created a lot of depth if no stars i think that you it's one of these spots where they almost obviously they can go wrong but with regards to which choice they make if they go defensive tackle offensive line or um even offensive skill player like wide receiver tight end maybe that's the part where everybody goes okay he better be special but you know defensive tackle and 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 offensive line certainly talent needed talent available and so you know hopefully they make a nice boring pick in that regard um let's talk or why don't you give us steven's twitter comments and see sure uh, and this is good because we are we haven't we're not going to really discuss anything about other teams or what division's doing or anything during you know this year during this podcast but uh steven brings up most and then he puts all mock drafts are projecting cards the cardinals will take a qb at one which mm -hmm. a lot of people said is murray great for bills but why in the world are they giving up on rosen after one year 
I, Steven, yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. Like he didn't play. Yes, he played worse than the other three rookies last year, but not that much worse. And he had even less talent. He has arguably less talent around him than, you know, uh, than Allen did. Though again, arguable. I, I won't say that's a fact. But yeah, if the Cardinals do that, they're essentially going to reset their rebuild process. It, you know, in that saying that Josh Allen, Josh Rosen proved you after year one that he's not the guy. So I don't know why in the world they would do it and, and give up on him so quickly. I don't know if you guys had any thoughts. Do on you, that. Do you, would you say that you, you don't know what they're doing and you think it's kind of crazy? Yes, I would definitely say that. Okay, that's great because that's exactly what you said in 2016 to Steven's question about why the Rams and the Eagles traded up to picks one and two to get quarterbacks. Uh, I am and, not. And they la- they they ended up with lousy quarterbacks, right? Someone, J- it's Gerard Goff, I think maybe <laughs> was one of them. And Ker- Kerson Wintz, I might be a German name. I'd have to look them up. It's it's too delicious. I, I can't wait till later. Um, <laughs> literally. Yeah. And that's why, Stephen, you should. That's why in the world you would do that. Because occasionally Paul, you get a franchise guy. All quote. Are the Rams insane? Why are they going up to get a quarterback when they could keep the defense? Okay. Similar thoughts on Philly and Stephen and Paul are the Eagles insane. And answers is the answer is yes. Paul's wants to play the odds. Paul, the, the, Paul's answer was you need to play it safe. You got some good defense. Why are you chasing a quarterback? Um, you know, like maybe it'll hit, but most likely it won't, you know, and maybe if you play it safe and you stay down there, you can get a guy like Ronald Darby. That was uh. literally what you said. Um, to your, to your credit, I mean, Scott wasn't far off and I wasn't far off either. I, Scott and I took less, we took more tempered versions of that saying, um, in one case I said, you know, especially with the Eagles at the time had, um, Nick Foles, right? no, 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 no. They no. had Sam Darnold. Oh, and, and they had oh, just given him Bradford. tons of money. Sam Bradford, the other Sam Bradford, right? Yes, they had given him Chris tons of money. Freshman Sam Darnold, yeah. Right, <laughs> and so he, they had given him tons of money. And what were they thinking? And the uh, my LA answer was, well, you you're newly in Los Angeles, and you have to sell a little hope, and so you know you might as well get a quarterback. And if it doesn't work out, well, you're really no worse off than when you started. Um, and so the and scott sort of was like yeah like i get what you're saying but like also like you know could you ever really like if you get a quarterback it works and um and so the 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 counter to your answer i guess steven is precisely the 2016 draft in that you know now look uh jared goff didn't exactly light it up his first year at all and perhaps a new coach would and, and then a new coach came in and used him properly so to speak, but and actually, very specifically, that is kind of what happened in Arizona this year. Is exactly they yeah. hired Kingsbury, and apparently Kingsbury is not a fan of Rosen and is a very much a fan of Kyler Murray, and so the he is now the new regime, and therefore the old regime's choices have no merit on his right. But but yeah. but Goff was a guy who was kept right, and he he went. Yeah, from, so Goff was drafted under the old regime, and then and then and uh, the new regime got a hold they, of him. Said, kept him. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, wait. This is. If I just call the place for him, then uh, everything and tell him where to throw it. <laughs> this works fine. Right. It, it, also, yeah. in that conversation, was talking about what a great number three receiver Robert Woods could be, which is oh, fantastic uh, because we we were talking about how like he's not really suited for the number two role, and we you know have Sammy and Woods, and we just need a guy in the middle, and 
Um, you know, there's Jared Goff throwing him tons and tons. Yeah, yeah, so um, I I say this only as a as a only as Cassandra as Cassandra, Cassandra right? Future, but unable to do anything about it. Exactly. <laughs> so maybe Stephen and and to a lesser extent Paul, but mostly yeah. Stephen because he's you know, not actually on the show. So we can just be mean to him. Um, <laughs> you know, next time you want to be like, what the hell are they doing? Well, you know, maybe they're going to be in a Super Bowl in three years. You know, I don't know. My, my one defense will be they two. won the, the, the Eagles won the Super Bowl with Foles. That is my defense to dissing the fact that the last two NFC champions did the opposite of what I said they should do. Entirely fair. Yeah. Um, so that was that. And, uh, we can we can talk more about the about the past later. Um, but I that was too delicious to have Stephen asking you the question literally almost to the word <laughs> that <laughs> that was um that was asked three years ago. Um, okay, so uh, we could talk about the past. No, yeah, I had to repost the agenda by the way, and I caused chaos doing that. But this oh, was I wasn't it, looking, so that's good. Yeah, this was going to be my. Uh, this is normally when we transition to the. Uh, how does the 2016 draft, how does the draft from three years ago look today? And I, and you guys are welcome to disagree, but um, this, this is an F, right? It's, it's, it's Shaq Lawson has been decent, but nowhere up to his draft billing and no one else is on the bills roster. And very few of them are even contributing in the NFL. Um, so I will, Scott, why don't you give yeah. your thoughts first? Since I'm my, my thoughts will be invariably tainted by the review of, the podcasts do you mean my thoughts on the 2016 draft yes um reggie ragland was two i didn't list mm -hmm. all the picks because they don't really kev kevon seymour was in there you know it was it was a pretty yeah. crap draft cardell jones kevon I seymour mean, classic late cornerback that makes starts right yeah, i feel like i feel like a little bit then this was the draft that that probably was torpedoed as much by the changing of the guard to a certain extent. And I don't want to say that completely because obviously like it's not clear if a lot of these guys would have stuck around long-term anyway, you right. can never really know. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, it, you know, picking Ragland, like he's gone on to do fine in Kansas city for the most part. Like, it's not like he's, he, yeah, he's he starting. Was, yeah. He's starting. I mean, uh, Kevon Seymour, like he was perfectly good at, as a nickel corner. And I'm sure if he's a depth guy somewhere, I wouldn't be too surprised by that. Or he could be a depth guy. Or at least he, he would be. Yeah. I think uh, he, he didn't play last year, but he was on the Panthers roster in 2017. Uh, the bills will trade him for Kalen clay. And he played, uh, he played, uh, he started three games for the Panthers, made 22 tackles and defended three passes. So not, not going to blow you away, but you could do worse. And Lawson was a guy who would have, who fits a little better in this scheme than he did in the previous scheme that I think they, that he was drafted for right. yeah, the two schemes ago that mm -hmm. the, in the interregnum, he did not really quite fare as well. Um, I think that's something that happens to a lot of guys. So, I mean, I think, uh, I think it was a draft where the the short-sightedness, I don't want to say the short-sightedness, but the lack of consistent leadership really set the entire class back. And I think it's tough to to kind of grade grade those guys in the abs in the abstract without knowing how it could have turned out otherwise. Like Adolphus Washington is another guy. He was he gave us some quality snaps over the course of the last couple of years. Like mm -hmm. it wasn't a guy that, you know, if you want a guy who was like designed to be a three technique tackle penetrator, that was really Adolphus Washington. Like he was actually pretty decent at that. He wasn't great at the run. He was okay at the pass. So. Okay. 
Um, well, let me take you back to 2016 because I listened to the end of season four and the first episode of season five to get some of our thoughts on the free agency and the um, <coughs> and the draft preview uh, to remind you going into the 2016 NFL draft, the Bills were coming off a surprisingly good first season under Rex Ryan. We had Tyrod Taylor with EJ Manuel backing him up. We had, um, you know, had a surprisingly good offense that or a point scoring offense that um, with a, a sort of disappointing defense, um, the offense still struggled though. There were issues with regards to, you know, three and outs. We were, we were way high on the list for three and outs, but we were, we were um, still sort of putting up more points than you would have thought with Rex Ryan. And we were drafting 19th overall. So a little known I, band known as BTS began first recording sounds in South Korea. Yes. Uh, you know, <laughs> The U.S. presidential election began to heat up as it approached November. Whatever. Exactly. Um, no, there there were some talk about uh, whether it was an issue at the end of the podcast it, that Rex Ryan had um, spoken on behalf of or introduced Donald Trump in Buffalo. That was one of the episodes. Uh, Prince had just died because I had done a Prince intro. Mm -hmm. um, there was some other. Yeah. So it was it was a weird, wild time. Um, I believe one of our off. Fair discussions involved <laughs> that there was no worry that um, some a, a certain famous individual hadn't bought the bills because he wasn't destined to go on to greater things. Uh, um, and and we'll let you guess it. Yeah, history has not treated that discussion well. That's no, even that, worse than my Wentz golf take. No, well here, well here's the thing, and I'm going to defend 2016 Paul and Scott against 2019 Paul and Scott. <laughs> um, Scott wanted an offensive lineman. He wanted Jack Conklin or um, D Taylor Decker, both of whom are still offensive linemen, not all pros or or or, or even Pro Bowlers, um, but they're offensive linemen. Um, there was a lot of rumors about the Bills maybe trading up to two with the Browns, but obviously that went to the Eagles. Um, um, Paul said, Whaley's going to be looking to fill depth and not get a superstar, but likely stay put or not trade down. Frank said, I can't remember when the last time we didn't need an offensive lineman was. And I feel like that has been a constant refrain, even over the last three years. Um, we had lots of great talks about whether Miller was going to survive <laughs> or, um, Cordy Glenn was going to continue his, you know, um, then we got to Paul's and Stevens are the Rams insane. Experts were saying the Bills are going to take a defensive lineman, including names like Sha Shaq Lawson or possibly Reggie Ragland in the first round. Um, Paul picked Shaq Lawson. Paul said, right. I'm going with Shaq Lawson because his name is Shaq, and Shaqs have a good history in sports. Scott liked Shaq Lawson fine. Scott also said if guys like Laramie Tunsil and Joey Bosa don't fall, then Shaq Lawson, Sheldon Rankins, uh, and Dietschy, who I, I, I still struggle to say his name, Kevin Dodd, Ragland was okay. Jalen Smith was okay. Um, I went with Mackenzie Alexander, who was a, is a cornerback, largely because I thought, well, that would be the weirdest Bills thing to do. It would be to take a corner you don't really need. Um, and then we had a good discussion about when to take a quarterback because we all felt we needed a new backup quarterback. The consensus was the third round or later was okay. The two second round was iffy. Um, and the 
first round was off limits. We no taking a first round uh, quarterback this year because we had Tyrod Taylor. Um, and we felt like, you know, he might progress further, but nobody was comfortable with EJ Manuel um, as the backup. So with all that in mind, the bills take um, amazingly, the bills go that the, the other thing that was said a couple times was everybody had confidence that Rex Ryan could take lesser defensive players put them in a system and get it to work. Huh. Um, so with that in mind, you, you take Shaq Lawson, oh. you, you trade back up a little to get Reggie Ragland. You almost get miles Jack um, Adolphus Washington. Cardell Jones goes in the fourth round. Jonathan William Williams, Colby Listonby and Kevon Seymour. Um, and to quote Scott, did we uh, paraphrasing? Um, uh, he, you chose to paraphrase Stephen Colbert in saying, Greatest great draft or greatest draft. And Paul said it's a great draft. And he was mad because he wanted to rag on this draft, but he felt <laughs> like they couldn't that all the choices they made in the moment were good. And um, you weren't necessarily saying like they couldn't be, you know, that there weren't better players, but you were pretty mm -hmm. much saying like all these things fit at needs and they more or less, you know, were not out of sync with value and Scott agreed and I agreed. I, I, I said it was a very good draft. You guys kind of said it was, they were, you know, it was a, a very good draft, you know, using the phrase great. Um, and all of our commenters wrote in saying that was pretty good. And everyone was excited about Cardell Jones. And would he, <laughs> one of the questions you asked was, uh, what was the percentage chance of Cardell Jones being a starter um, in week one or starting a game in, that year in 2016, um, Paul had 15% and that talked me from 3% to 6%. I basically said there was no chance. Um, and we had a good conversation about how, if he had come out the year before he would have been a second round pick and the story about him not knowing the laces would help you with accuracy came out. Um, and I think you're right, Paul, that none of these players turned out to be very good. But yeah. I think if you look at the draft as a whole and you look at all the people taken after Shaq Lawson, there just aren't many great players. Yeah. I was, you know? I was, I was looking at the quarterbacks too. And we were talking about that after the third round. Yeah. Dak Prescott got taken four picks before Cardell Jones, but literally after golf and Wentz at one, two, you have Lynch Hackenberg, Jacoby Brissett, Cody Kessler, Connor Cook, Kevin Hogan, Nate Sudfeld, Jake Rudock, Brandon Allen, Jeff Driscoll, and Brandon Dottie. There was yeah. nothing. Yeah. Well, yeah. that was the funny thing because the radio that week was complaining that they had passed on Paxton Lynch and was that going to be a mistake? Yeah. And like, obviously it wasn't. It was like he was yeah. beyond terrible. And um, if you look at the top of the draft, right? Goff and Wentz were the gambles and they paid off. And mm -hmm. then Bosa, Ezekiel Elliott, Jalen Ramsey were all the players that they were meant to be. And other than that, I don't know. Like Keanu Neal's a nice player. Uh, yeah, Michael Thomas went to the Pro Bowl for the Saints. You know, there's some right, good to be like, right. And how much of how much of Michael Thomas's success is Drew Brees, right? Yeah. Deion Jones, Cody Whitehair. Yeah. Drafted by the Jets. I mean, Jalen, Jalen Smith was going to be injured for that season, but everyone knew that he was basically a first round draft pick who tore his ACL in the championship mm -hmm. game, and so he he was pretty good for Dallas last year. Uh, until the end. Like, so, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, like everything else, it got thinner as the, as the game went on. The right. 
you know, Dak Prescott, <laughs> Tyreek Hill, like these are names that are later in the draft that clearly we'd all like to have, but it's not as if anybody knew that they were good. Right. Didn't take but, Christian Hackenberg. So that's a win. Right. <laughs> right. So Dak Prescott was one, two, three, you know, four or five picks before Cardell Jones. So he wasn't even available at that point. Um, so, you know, I, like, I think that it's a good lesson in, in obviously the reason we do this in part is because you can't even know what a draft is until you're done. So keep that in mind next week when we pick apart the draft. <laughs> yeah. um, when we don't yeah. learn from our lessons, specifically me, and but, I critique something that proves and it's watch. We have all said terribly stupid things. It's just you were you were totally on point, and you weren't even like that wrong because if if instead of Jared yeah, heck, Goff even after one year, if they if you'd looked at golf, you'd be like, oh boy, the Rams really did blow it. Yeah, they shit the bed there, right? Yeah. But, but like Paxton Lynch was in that discussion, and if you go to like 2015 or 2017, like the number of times it doesn't work is all is up there too. Who was taken in 2015? Jameis Winston, right? Jameis Winston made a Pro Bowl, but is he a good quarterback? No. Um, he lost a starting job to Ryan Fitzpatrick. That is that good. is the sign that your career has ended, at least unofficially. Right. You know, Miles Garrett, Mitchell, Tr Mitchell Trubis Trubisky. Okay, Trubisky looks like he might be okay, but we've only got a year or two on him, really. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, and Carson Wentz, you know, injured twice. Like, you know, and if it wasn't for the fact that, you know, Nick Foles played out of his mind, what do the Eagles look like, right? Like, Carson Wentz certainly played well, but he's also missed parts of two seasons, and so... You yeah, know, there's rumors that his back issues could be chronic, you know, and that might right. be a, a problem. I just we follow a couple of Eagles fans on Twitter, and they were noting that, and I thought, eh, you know, maybe we'll we'll maybe we won't look as dumb down the road. It, and by way, I mean me. Briefly going back to the point from earlier, like it is it is bigger than just the people you draft too. Like if we draft a bunch of guys and then the team craps the bed this year for a variety of reasons that may or may not have anything to do with who we drafted. We bring an entirely new coaching staff next year and all these guys are now playing out of position or playing in a system they weren't drafted for. Then none of them are going to have a great start to their careers because they're playing, they're not doing what they were intended to do. So it's, it's bigger than just what we think on any given day. Also, I'd like to point out the Browns <laughs> um, were, were lauded widely for trading out of the number two spot. Uh, they took Corey Coleman in the first round um, <laughs> with the 15th pick that they got from Los Angeles via Tennessee. Um, and the, and the uh, Titans had gotten back, gone back up to get Jack Conklin. So, you know, look, it's all a, it's all a terrible, terrible nightmare. What can I say? Um, so that was your trip to through 2016. Yeah. Eli Apple was gone by that point. Yeah. It was an, in, it's an interesting draft. So, you know, yeah, it's, I, I give it an F, but you know what? I should probably, if I had the time and the motivation to do so, I would look at all the teams graded on a bell curve and see where the Bills really are because, you know, you obviously want to give some A's to teams like the Rams and Eagles that got seemingly franchise quarterbacks mm -hmm. and it, it, it charged again Joey Bosa, but then I've got to look at every round and see how they did with their depth picks. Yeah, I think you got to look at it too, like who was And like available. Scott's had team success. If the team craps the bed one year, how good a pick is a pen? So. Falcons drafted three Pro Bowlers that year. Keanu Neal, Deion Jones, and Austin Hooper. I, I mean, believe this, and yet they've been more terrible than ever since they went to the Super Bowl. Right. But, yeah. I believe the statistics tell you that literally no coaching staff is better at drafting players than any other coaching staff. Hmm. They all literally, no matter the franchise, no matter the staff, everyone has roughly the same success rate based on the 
the the level you know the the order in which they're picking so obviously a first rounder is more likely to make the league than a seventh yeah. rounder and so literally and that's why people always say like the patriots to a certain extent have the best plan which is just get the most picks and then worry about everything afterwards because it may not you may not hit on these guys but at least if you take enough rolls of the dice your odds are you're going to get more you're going to get more of them the the browns speaking of had 14 picks that year they, they made they made 14 picks they didn't trade like after all their trades they made 14 picks and joe Schobert was the only one that went to a pro bowl well they did win a game that year so it did, did kind of work out. They they didn't work out so well in 2017, but 2016 they did win that one game. So I think I think we're going to talk about the Browns more in a little bit here. So. I think I think yeah, it's true. fair to say that there no team is better, but I think some teams are worse. So. <laughs> um. So anyway, yeah. I mean, you. I think that you know, vindicated. No, like totally wrong. A little. You know, but like at the time, much like the Bills, what what better choice did we have than to say the things we did? Yeah. You know? Okay. So that's enough of 20, 2016. Uh what do we want to where are we? Where's schedule? The... Yeah. So like I said I repasted the schedule at the uh agenda okay. and botched it all up. So scroll to the bottom and then scroll up and there's schedule thoughts. Try and find that out. Easiest one ever. This will be a 30 second segment where we all grade them an F. Oh, okay. That was that. Okay. What's <laughs> <laughs> that note? Okay. Um, uh, okay. Yeah. So the schedule is up. Um, the, the bills start on the road in New Jersey. They stick around and then <laughs> they, they continue on the road in New Jersey. Yeah. Right. They get both of their <laughs> Meadowland games out of the way. Uh, before coming home to face Cincinnati and New England. So Jets, Giants, Bengals, New England. Then they are on the road to Tennessee before they take the sixth week off. Uh, they are home against the Dolphins, the uh, Eagles, and they are home against Washington. So a big stretch of three straight home games. Yep, three right after the bye. Right. And then November is on the road in Cleveland, on the road in Miami. Good time to be in Miami in November. <laughs> yep. Um, then they are home against Denver. They are a Thanksgiving 430 game against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, so there's that. Then Baltimore um, at home in December. Pittsburgh on the road. New England on the road. Jets at home to finish it. So it's nice if you're a if you're a local to Buffalo. A lot of times the complaint is three December home games for a bad football team. Uh, you're only getting two. Uh, the Saturday New England game will be a, a uh, oh, no, that's that, that's the one that's flexible, right? It's Saturday. Right. It's going to be Saturday or Sunday or in time to be determined. So they'll time. figure that out closer to, it depends on how good the bills are, essentially. Right. If they could put it down at three in the morning, I'm sure they would. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's the schedule. The bills obviously playing the the NFC East and the uh, the AFC uh, South? AFC North. North, right. North, yes. I, I which I, I was slightly just I looked at the, how those games are scheduled. It looks like we're only going to get maybe three local games out of this, depending on how they do ball. Well, no, they'll get four. The Dallas game obviously is going to be the national, national. game that week. You're going to no have Baltimore. You're going to have Washington. National game. What's that? No, no primetime games. For yeah, no prime. Time. Everything's one p.m. And the only national yeah. game is the Thanksgiving game. I, yeah. I that must count as a primetime game I then guess. because. Yeah. Because everybody's guaranteed at least one. Yeah. So yeah, so you'll get the Baltimore game, the Washington game, and the Dallas game. The Dallas game, and I looked the way Pittsburgh is scheduled. 
that week. Baltimore has a Saturday game. And so if Pittsburgh's end in Baltimore is competing with Pittsburgh, I would think the Bills would be the local game. But okay. we shall see. So at least three, maybe four for us. Mm-hmm. And, um, anybody else who's listening in the Washington, D.C. area. Um like Reza, right? He's he, he's a little around here. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh. So that's the schedule. Uh. Thoughts? I. I mean, it's just to me, it's a schedule. Yeah. Uh. It's it certainly has sixteen games on it. <laughs> um. I like that we're done, December twenty sixth. Um. I like that. Well, I I think I without going too far into it in terms of like wins and losses, I think we will know a lot. It's I feel like in previous years you won't know anything about the team until like week five or six. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're going to know a lot about this team by week four. Oh, okay. that'll be because at the same time as like, we will have played on the road against the jets and giants, which are not their road games against bad teams, which a good team should win, but a bad team could lose. We will also have home versus new England. And if we have any shot of being good this year, that's, that's a game that we should know about. And plus a home game against Cincinnati, which can be a taste too. So I think within those first four weeks, we will know a lot about this team. Whereas I feel like in these years, we'll have four like ridiculously tough games where we won't know anything about the team because they were just, we didn't know like, you know, what this team was after four games last year with the Ravens debacle and the weird Vikings game where we beat them by 30 and everyone thinks they're the greatest team ever. Um, And, you know, other years when we've gone, we played four cupcakes in a row and then we, we lose one and we're like, I don't know what this team mm-hmm. is. I think we'll know a lot more this year. Yeah. I, I, I'm a little more cowardly than Scott. I've got to double it. I need eight games. I want to see what happens after that three game stretch of home games goes. They should go two and one in that stretch. They could go three and no, depending on how much Philadelphia has improved and you know, how much if, or if they've fallen down a bit or if how much Buffalo has improved. If you, after eight games are looking at that, you know, a five and three or even a six and two team, I'll be optimistic. If it's anything four and four or less going into the back half of the schedule when you've got, you know, three road games in four weeks and then you've got back-to-back road games in Pittsburgh and New England in December, I think it's just going to be a very tall order. But I really expect after that that halfway point of the season, we're going to know a lot. And I, I do – yeah, I like the fact no, 25 years it's been since the Thanksgiving Day game. So I'll get to enjoy that whether I'm, you know, no matter where I'm traveling for Thanksgiving. And yeah, I don't know, I'm surprised by the lack of a primetime game or true primetime game. But, you know, what What have the Bills done to really earn it in the last 19 years? One playoff appearance, six wins last year. We have more of a, a high opinion of the team, I suppose. But, you know, they haven't proven anything yet. So you get what you, you get what they give you. You're not going to get a Buffalo bonus. Certainly you're not going to get, Oh, well, we got to get that Buffalo market right you know, on that national stage. I think we're going to, I think, think at Tennessee week five home versus Philly week, uh, week eight. And then uh, at home versus Baltimore. I think those are the three big toss up games. Yep. I think if you win those three, you got a good shot at the playoffs. I think if you get, one or two of them, you're 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 on thin ice. I think yep. you think it's going to get tight. Is it too early to have that conversation about whether that's necessary this year, or like is that a is that a deal breaker now? Is nine and seven without the yeah? The we we talked about this a little bit last time I remember, and I did. I would be, and I mentioned I would be more disappointed if they pretty disappointed if they didn't make the playoffs this season. I don't know that we're, I mean, I think the goal is to make the playoffs. 
if they finish nine and seven and don't make the playoffs because of some tiebreaker, like I'm not going to freak out. But if they're seven and nine, I'm and and Allen. I mean, it, it, it's also partly how it looks. If it's Allen taking a step back or not growing, then we have a problem. If Allen looks great and we, you know, the defense collapses for some reason or there's a bunch of injuries, I'm not going to be as concerned about seven or nine or six and ten. Okay, maybe that'll be a question about like, okay, coaching's the issue now, right? Like we've got talented players but for some reason this defensive coach isn't getting the defense taken care of right, yeah. i just want to see i want to see outlooks. right i want to see mcdermott do well this year and then do extremely well the fourth year and that's because no bills completed four years of coaching since marv levy so yeah, that's really I, you know my, my long-term goal i'm thinking he'll get the benefit of the doubt because the the you know he the pagula is already having to go through another hockey coach. Yep. So any chance he can hold on to Scott McDermott or Sean McDermott, damn it. And, uh, <laughs> sure and Gavin. Brandon, Mc, Brandon Bean, uh, he, <laughs> Brandon uh, McBean, Brandon Good McBean, yes. Scott McDermott. I just, it does. I'm just, I'm watching a completely different show. There for the rest of the um, I think Scott, by the way, is dead on, on the Josh Allen point. Like, yeah, if they don't make playoffs, but Allen looks like the real deal after two years, which is tougher than showing potential after one year. Then, then I think there's going to be some happiness in Bill's land. Very good. Um, TJ Yeldon, uh, they they have the oldest and the youngest quarterback running back available now. <laughs> um, uh, Quentin Spain and EJ Gaines makes his triumphant return to Buffalo. Um, thoughts on this? I'll start. I, I think Yeldon spells the end of Lashawn McCoy. Honestly, uh, I don't. I think I don't think you bring. Frank Gore in to then cut him necessarily. I mean, you could, but I think that he's there for the pass blocking and Yeldon's there for the young legs. And now you're going to dress McCoy too. Like, that seems like a lot of running backs to me. Um, the other two guys, I don't know, whatever thoughts, Scott <laughs> thoughts. Yeah. Uh, this one's a, this one's tricky. Uh, I don't Yeldon is a guy who's still got some legs on him. Mm -hmm. Never really been a guy who was a, a lead back, always been a good potential back. So I could see them continuing to use him in that role. I do see that we could suit up four backs on game day and, and Gore is kind of the all purpose backup and Yeldon is the, the number Ask two Hector. and McCoy is number one, something like that. Um, I think, I think it's good to bring him in to have a little bit. I'm a little surprised. I mean, some of them are surprised he's available because he's he's a guy who has some quality. He's again, he's an NFL player. He is a guy who has had success in the league and 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 good enough to stick stick to a team. So I, I I'm a little surprised he's available. Um, I still like drafting a back. I think just my all the little sleeper plug is I don't know if he's going to be available in the fourth round. Big Bryce Love fan. Watched him a lot at Stanford. Great running back. He injured his ACL last year, three or four games in. And uh, he could have come out as a junior and made a lot of money. He stayed for a senior year, got hurt, did not have a great, did not have a great season. Um, it might have been seven or eight games in, but uh, that's a guy who's going to be there, hopefully in those later rounds, so we can bring in and really be a quality back. Um, Yeldon's fine, and the other guys again, another another guy who, when I went to the Tennessee boards, they're like, "Yeah, I'm really glad we got this new guard from uh, Los Angeles." Uh, that other guy, he was okay. Is you know. A, a guy they were no one was uh, upset to lose about. So I, I don't, I don't, I'm not particularly thrilled about Quentin. Spain or Span? Sorry. That's a good point. I've always said Spain, but I, I could be wrong. 
And by always said, I mean I've called them that in the three weeks I've heard. I have no idea. Ships of span, red ships of span. Well, uh, we'll do a YouTube video later and do it. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I, I'm with Scott on Yelling. I could see them doing three three running backs and a fullback on game day, and you know, give give McCoy a rest. So I don't think it necessarily spells the end of Lashawn McCoy. I certainly don't think it's definitive that it does. We will see though. And yeah, you take a flyer and like Scott, I don't mind if they take another back in the the draft they think it's going to be worth their while and then keep that drag that guy on the roster but uh inactive on game day and then with the guards yeah i was much more excited about quentin quentin spain was one of those guys or span who seemed to be highly rated on the free agent boards but that said kelvin benjamin was on free agent boards and i don't think he's signed anywhere or anyone's shown any interest in him and the fact that the bills got him late for a year in 1.75 you know, either that's the deal of the century or he's just going to be another one of the uh, guys we talked about earlier. Uh, in my, the uh, EJ Gaines, if he plays like he did a couple of years ago and can stay on the field would be great. But as we know, he's never stayed on the field. But between him and Kevin Johnson and Levi Wallace, if just one of those guys can step up to be a competent number two and Teron Johnson can use develop as a good corner you know, I'm I'm fine with the cornerback depth. I mentioned they brought in a couple of special teams guys too. Probably not really worth mentioning, other than the fact that maybe we'll see them if these guys make the roster. We'll see a special teams unit that can go from you know bottom to near the top, and we'll see how that affects the team success overall. Cool. Um, do you want to get to the joint? You, you mentioned there's a joint. Yeah, there's a joint practice Carolina. Carolina. That's that's the bottom news. Why don't we just jump into this day and build? I'm excited for this yeah. because I, I think we did a lot of good draft talk and we'll be excited yep. to talk next week. So let's get our favorite segment in before we get out of here. All righty. All right. We'll start with uh, I've got 10 questions today. So about the norm 2017, three reasons the Bills should draft Ole Miss quarterback blank. Old Miss 2017. Yep. I wonder if this 2017 Chad Kelly. Chad Kelly. Chad yes. Kelly. Boy, that's, uh, I feel Talk like I could have dodging done, a bullet. Yeah. I could have done a whole series of headlines called Bill's Dodging Bullets uh, for this day, <laughs> but I decided to, against it. Um, this one is a guy we've talked about on this pod, obviously. Uh, 2016, why Bill's fans should embrace drafting blank it is a quarterback so that's going to give it away cardale jones cardale jones yes he was yeah. the uh he was the one that they said oh he's gonna be like ej manuel but no he's so much better than ej but no he he was not they've both been cut by uh, the the teams they went to in the afc west mm -hmm. after buffalo all right we're gonna go back a bit seven years to 2012 all signs positive for blank Blank was quoted as saying, the Achilles is such a unique injury. It's not one of those things where you look at it and it says, let's go fix it right now. But we reached a point where it was time to get it done. I was pleased with how the surgery went, and I, I feel this. great now. I remember this. Because it was a weird timing on the surgery. I remember they were like, why didn't you do it? 2012? It's a guy who played, started six games for Buffalo total. He'd started five in 2011 got the surgery, was cut before 2012, but then came back and played 10 games and started one in 2012. Hmm. Some hints. He uh, This will be the biggest hint. He finished his career with 45 and a half sacks, two of which were with Buffalo. So defensive. 
Ender tackle. NFL league leader in sacks in 2006. He was also an all pro that year. Jeez, come on. Mario? No, no, no but at least you're on the defense. You're on the right side of the ball. That was a reasonable <laughs> guess. It's all those offensive linemen we have racking up sacks. It's, it's just... Yeah, no, so I'm two, at a loss 2006 there. led the leagues in sacks. 2007 led the league with 19 tackles for a loss. And some injuries started to happen. Then he went to Buffalo, and his career was pretty much dead. We do follow him on Twitter. <laughs> Sean Merriman. Sean Merriman. Yeah. Twitter him is on his podcast. No, it was actually the fact I kept thinking that he was an original bill for some reason. And once I realized it was he was done, then that helped. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, this will be one you guys probably won't get, but the headline was just so great. I couldn't uh, ignore it. 2011, former Bills fullback blank facing asbestos charge. EPA investigators raided his firm's property on April 19th and found a significant amount of asbestos waste that had not been properly secured, labeled, or disposed of. And then I followed up, and six years later, he did plead guilty in 2017. Um, he was a fullback in 1989, and he didn't really even, I don't think he saw any playing time in the regular season. Larry's uh, tenors. He would have, if this guy wishes, here are Larry Centers. I will give you, Booby a, here's here's the, the only hint I will give, and then we'll move on. Uh, his last name, it would be, is a very profitable occupation. Banker. Sam Gash. No. <laughs> Banker was a good one there, too. It is former Bills fullback, Sean Doctor. Oil oh, Oil Tycoon was a good, good guess. Sean, too, Oil Sean Doctor. Yep. Uh, 2010 Buffalo Bills draft playmaker blank. 2010. Yep. I don't think we had any playmakers on the team of the 2010. No, this was, this was, I remember being on the, I had finished up at the gym when I was working at uh, one of the firms I was at in, in DC and I waited until the bills drafted. It took a while and they got this guy and I'm like, what? Aaron David. No, oh, let's uh, say it's an offensive playmaker. And he was not an entire bust at all. He had <laughs> one. He, he made it through his contract with the team, all uh, five years of it. He uh, mm. did have one Pro Bowl season. So not James Hardy. Nope. He hit a very, I don't know, so I'll give it away if I give that hint. He left after his Buffalo career ended, he would play. 13 games with New Orleans and then seven total games between the Jets, Seahawks, and Kansas City. Oh, Josh Reed? No, no. Yeah, too late to that. Um, oh, 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 oh. It's a uh, uh, wide receiver? No, no. Okay, well. Tight end? Someone who you're thinking, why would you draft this guy if you have running, running back. Marshawn Lynch and Fred Jackson on the roster? C.J. Uh, Spiller. C.J. Spiller. Spiller. Yep. Right. Yes, that doesn't make sense. Claudia Jean, as we used to call him. Mm -hmm. All right, 2005. I don't think you guys have a chance on this. It's more of a uh, let's let's respect this guy because he was good while he was here. 2005. Bills resigned cornerback blank. Blank was the Bills' sixth-round draft pick in 2002. He played in all 16 of the team's games last season, registering 45 tackles, one sack, and no interceptions. 
I will note in 2005, he never played. He signed the contract. He re-upped in 2005, but never played a game in the NFL again. I did not research what happened after that. He was more of a, uh, a nickelback player. It wasn't Ashton Ubody, was he? No, but that's a good guess. You're in the right area. Mm. Except um, a much more common name. Chris Watson? Oh, that was good, too. He was actually a, I think he was drafted by the Broncos originally. Um, but yeah, he dropped off the face of the earth, too. Is it a Williams? It's not a Williams, but it is, a, it is another very common last name in Bill's lore. Kelly? No. Um, Keep going. You're on, the same, you're on the right lines. You'll name Smith, the last name. Smith or Thomas? Thomas. There we go. Good job. It's Thomas. Kevin Thomas. Kevin Thomas. And his job was replaced by Kewaukee Thomas, I remember, because it was so confusing when Frank and I were at the bar. <laughs> and like, uh, what's Kate Thomas? Oh, yeah, Kevin Thomas. Kevin Thomas. And then we're like, no, it's it's Kewaukee. And it took us half the season to realize Kevin Thomas had been cut. And the new Kate Thomas, who was playing nickel corner, was Kewaukee Thomas. All right. 2001, uh, Bill signed quarterback blank. And then the underside, the under headline says, not that one. This quarterback blank from Boston College is from Boston College. Said the Bills and others called it as the fifth round, and Buffalo might be its. He might, they might pick him with their seventh. He wasn't, but a deal was struck soon at the end of the draft. He is now an ESPN analyst along with his brother. Um, Marcellus Wiley. He has been married to a famous talk show host since 2002. Hmm. One oh. could say his wife is really a survivor. What? Not a Hasselbeck, is it? Oh, yes, Tim Hasselbeck. Well done, Scott. Okay. Good job. A guess. Was it uh, Matt you... or Tim? Tim. Tim. Okay. Yeah, because it says not that one, because at this time, Matt yeah, was actually a NFL quarterback. The... Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. All right. 2000. You can get one of these two because these are tougher. Blank and blank joined Immortals on Bill's Wall of Fame. Uh, I will give you some quick background on the two. One was a five-time All AFL All-Pro who died in 2013. He made the Sporting News All AFL team for three seasons, and he was the president of the Pro Football Writers Association. Called him the finest open field tackler in the league. And the other player was the last active NFL player to be killed while serving as a soldier in a war. Bob Kalsu. Bob Kalsu. Good job, Scott. Yes, that was because uh, Pat Tillman, who died, you know, in 04, he was retired right, at the yes. time. Yeah. Uh, the other one, George Sames, who was, you know, 10th all time, the Bills uh, interception uh, list and was uh, second team for their 50th anniversary team. So just a shout out to George Sames. All right. Two more to go. Two, 1989. I know we're running thin because this guy was an answer last time. Bills pick Wide receiver blank with their first pick, number 82 overall in round three. So they had no first and second round picks this year. Don't jump all in at once. I know we're all anxious to answer this one. Um, so wide receiver, 1989, was the team's first pick. Third round guy. Answered in last, uh, the stay in Bills headlines. Really? Yeah. You think of Reed, you think of Walsh, <laughs> you think of Bless you. Excuse me. Uh, Isabella the first of Castile. Uh, mm. Castilian. Uh, also known as Don Beebe. 
Rasmus Dahlin. Right. Oh, yeah. All right. One to go. Let's end on a high note. Okay. Do this. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus here. Once again. Here we go. 31 years ago, Colts expected to sign quarterback blank. The Colts said they were cl- also close to signing blank, a quarterback who has played 15 seasons in the NFL, mostly with the Buffalo Bills. General Manager Jim Mercer said all negotiations have been concluded. At this point, it's just the Colts waiting for an answer. So this is 1988. 1988. He did, in fact, go on to sign with the Colts, where he ended his NFL career. Uh, let me verify that before I do. Uh, yes, he did go on to sign with the Colts. He played there. Uh, he played in 1990. It was his last season. He played... One game, he went two for eight, and then he called it quits. So quarterback, you said? Quarterback. He'd spent so, a lot of years with the Bills. So it's got to be Joe Ferguson. Well, I yep. think was already okay. I was I was worried that he was already retired, and I was going to say Shane um, Matthews is the next one. I, I mean, he was essentially already retired. He spent. Right, yeah. he's, he'd, he'd played 160, started 163 games with the Bills, played in 164 total, and. Over the next five last five seasons of his career, he played in not eight games and and just into a heck of a lot. But that was uh, this day in Bills headlines, April twenty third. Very good. Um, as a update, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs have been eliminated. It looks oh, like, the Bruins won, huh? It looks like they won. Um, so twenty six years and counting since a Canadian team has won the Stanley Cup. USA, USA. <laughs> unless you're one um, of our Canadian list w- listeners, in which case, boo. Unless you're uh, a they, Canadian. Which, fan. It, 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 well, yeah, if you're one of our Canadian listeners in, in Quebec, we're we're chanting Etazuni, Etazuni. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you are French Canadian and would like to get a hold of us, uh, bonjour, bonjour, comment ça va, ça va bien. Bbillsmny at gmail.com, bbillsmny on Twitter, or um, you can find us anchor.fm backslash bbillsmny. You can search Buffalo Bills podcast, or maybe next year in the Google we come up, facebook.com forward slash bbillsmny, and you'll find us. That's what all the places you can get a hold of us. This is the end of season seven. Season eight starts very soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically, there is one big. It's like the Daytona 500 episode, uh, where it's the big episode at the beginning of the year, and then we kind of chill out for a while um, because you know the draft is over and we've got to wait for things to actually happen again. Um, so we'll be excited to see what the Bills do. We'll be back next week with all of our wrong takes, or maybe they'll be right. Who knows? Um, but we'll be back probably next week or soon soon after. Uh, the draft to discuss all that. We hope you're doing well. And thank you again for listening. Um, The several hundred of you that listen, make us want to keep doing this. So thank you so much. Um, Or not, or maybe, or maybe, you know, I'll just snap my fingers and it'll all be over Uh, (laughs) until then. (laughs) All right. Fair point. All right. We'll do it, Frank. Fine. And on a dark note, good way. Right. Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe we'll talk about Avengers Endgame next time. I doubt it because I... Oh, I I, I understand. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay. Until next time, uh, my name is Frank. Je m'appelle Paul. (laughs) Bonsoir. (laughs) 